I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And now before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to let you know that I'm here in the studio with a buddy of mine, Dan Murray-Serta, host of Secret Leaders Podcast, a business show interviewing some of the world's biggest founders. Hey there, listeners. Uh, Dan, now tell us about the show in one sentence. Well, Jamie, thanks for asking. (laughs) Secret Leaders Podcast gets a microphone in front of the founders of some of the world's largest and most successful businesses. So think Shazam, ClassPass, Joe Malone, Planet Organic, Not on the High Street, Calm, and even Deliveroo. (laughs) Now, I can personally recommend the show. It's incredible. So if you're looking for another business and entrepreneurial podcast, head over to your listening platform of your choice and search Secret Leaders. It's great. Okay, so coming back to you all in your bathtub, we're ready for part two. I love it how you think they're in a part and they're in a bathtub. Well, you know, I think you can kind of use your imagination. <laughs> I love that you're imagining our listener in the bathtub. You make, no, you make it sound creepy now. I'm not going to go to that weird kind of level, but okay, so we're back for part two with Ashley. You know, the whole point of this podcast is for people to understand that you don't have to be a certain person, yeah. you don't have to come from a certain background, yeah. you don't have to have a certain education to make yourself a success. And when we talk about success, in our opinion, is that you wake up every day, you have a purpose, you're doing something you love, you're building yeah. something that you want to do, right? right? And the problem why a lot of people don't do that is because they fear. Right. They fear failing. They fear that they're going to lose money. They fear that they're not going to achieve what they want to achieve. How do you get past that fear bubble? How do you move through it? I think, so I mean, maybe some of the fear that can be, um, uh, you know, can be solved for. So maybe there's some pieces or aspects that you're like, gosh, I'm so scared about this, but I can probably solve them and it'll make it better. But otherwise, I think like, You've also got to just think, like, what is the worst thing that can happen, really? Like, so you start something and then it doesn't go the way that you planned. That is not the worst thing that can happen. Like, get some perspective on really what, you know, what people that don't have, what that looks like. Um, And then it makes sort of, I think anybody that's got the ability to start their own business, it's like a really, like, privileged position to be in. So... Yeah, I think a lot of the time that fear is driven by ego. It is true. Mm-hmm. I, I I have a sort of weird and a sort of tangent on that. A friend of mine was in a relationship, didn't want to be in the relationship. And he was watching a documentary on the Normandy beaches. Yeah. And he was watching it happen and saw all these men dying and all these brave right. people. Yeah, and he said, well, if they can go and fight and go on the beach and do these things, I can surely break this relationship right. up. And you have to, <laughs> and, and that is a winner, but you have to put things into perspective. You have to say, what is the worst that can happen? What is going to happen? If I fail, what? I, I right. fail and people go, people actually, do you know what? It's it, People actually congratulate you if you do fail because right. at least you gave it a freaking go. Yeah. You know, the quote that I follow, uh, that I always go by, to get something you never had, you have to do something you never did. I love that quote. It, yeah, yeah, you have to do it, right? You have to you have to push boundaries. Right. You have to be prepared to fail because if you don't aren't prepared to fail, you'll never succeed. Right. 100%. So you moved to London. 
Yeah. Why London? What what was the draw to London? I'd lived here before, so I had a, a bigger professional network here. Yeah. Um, London's also it's, it's sort of closer to South Africa as well. It's like the same time zone, so I mm-hmm. feel like I can like be close to my family. Yeah. Um, and you didn't want to go back to South Africa. That was kind of not an option. Yeah, that wasn't really an option. Um, For what reason? Because it doesn't have the same scale, I guess. It doesn't like, have the same scale. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to launch Waldo in South Africa at some point, but I. Like, I think we've got to reach much more scale and then sort of add that on as opposed to that being like a starting point. And you said at the moment, we were just talking before we started recording that you're now looking to go back to the States as well. So you're just setting up in New York, which is super exciting. So you'll have the UK, the US. Is that from the UK, you run in Europe as well? Yeah. Okay. So we're a small, lean, busy team. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it very, says very when you walk? Is that yeah. what it says when you get employed? By the way, you are now a small, lean, <laughs> busy, busy machine. <laughs> no, I think um, probably in the beginning it's just like you know so international, and then you realise no, small, lean, busy. Yeah. <laughs> but as you also mentioned, you know, you said you moved to London because you had uh, sort of professional contacts. Yeah. How important are contacts and actually putting yourself out there, meeting different people, connecting with different people when you are starting a business? Yeah, I think huge, like really, really important. Um, In what ways? So I think for that feedback thing. So, you know, trying to get as many people's opinions as possible, like creatives, finance people, other entrepreneurs, like just try and get as many opinions as you can from people whose opinions you value as well. So people that will give you honest feedback. But but also, isn't there the quote where, you know, too many cooks spoil the broth? Everyone yeah. has an opinion. I, yeah, that's true. So how do you how do you shuffle through the cards and find the joker when you're looking for the ace? Or I mean, yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Because um, if you you can ask everyone, right? Yeah. And what we have found with different podcasts and different uh, panels is that everyone wants to say <laughs> what they think. Yeah. But in fact, normally your gut is, you know, again, Ed and I talk about this whole time, but when we started Candy Kittens, everyone said, well, you're starting a sweet company. Right. This is going to be ridiculous. And we said, well, we want to do it and we're going to make it yeah. gluten-free. Yeah. Probably someone said to you, what, you're going to make subscription contact, contact lenses? lenses? Like, you're why? crazy. And going against Johnson & Johnson? Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, and you're going to make them cool and brand it this way and call yeah. it Waldo? Isn't, you know, how did you get past the noise? Yeah. So I think listen to people's feedback when it comes from their area of expertise. You know, when people make these grand statements like, um, well, why on earth would you do sweets? I mean, that's that's like negating the entire business idea. Like have an opinion on an aspect of it, but don't sort of don't blow the whole thing out out the water and I think if somebody does that then like maybe that's not great so you advice. just take those opinions and put them to one side <laughs> you just yeah. choose to listen to I guess but you had these contacts in the professional world and as you, you mentioned finance and finance is oxygen when it comes yeah. to starting business you said your first year you spent £50,000 that was it only in your first year um, and you moved to London uh, you you studied finance so you uh, you understood or yeah. ish is that a little ish Ish. Yeah, like I understood the, the, um, I didn't really enjoy it, but I understood the jargon. Like, so. What do you mean jargon? So, you know, when people are, when it comes to fundraising, like I understood the terms. So like, what is valuation? What yeah. is a warrant? What is a, 
you know, what is a term sheet? What is like, what's the difference between pre-money and post-money? Like there's all these sort of jargon words that I think people expect you to understand. But like, how on earth are you supposed to know that? Unless... I think it's so true. And I think that lots of people <laughs> listening to the podcast, this is exactly kind of the sum of the details that Jamie yeah. and I are interested in helping people with really. Right. It's kind of getting past that. So you have this great idea, but you're, you're just totally petrified when right. you kind of come up face to face with the finance world. Yeah. What's your? What would be your best tips for kind of trying to break that down and start out in a fundraise or starting to raise any kind of finance? I think just there should actually be like a like an entrepreneur's glossary of like, these are some <laughs> like of the Like a lonely words. planet. Right. <laughs> exactly. the entrepreneurial world. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think like just try and understand sort of the baseline, like some of the words. Yeah. And then I think also ask. You know, like if you're speaking to an investor and they're like, they're just throwing jargon at you. I think very seldom you want to be like, sorry, what does that mean? Because you don't want to come across like you don't know. But how are you supposed to know? Yeah. Like you've never sat or perhaps you've never sat on that other side of the table. So I think sometimes I think it's so true asking. because in your, I mean, when we're having conversations with a supermarket now or a, a sweet manufacturer, we yeah. kind of catch ourselves talking in words that right. are just unique to the industry. Yeah. But actually, if someone says, sorry, what does that mean? I wouldn't think, well, that person's an idiot. I right. think, oh, God, that's me actually being yeah. really silly, assuming that you'd know what that meant. Exactly. So I'm sure investors actually, in reality, think like that. Yeah. Because they don't really, they know you're not a finance person. That's why they're having the conversation yeah. with you. But some people have an ego and they like to sort of catch you out and say things and they sort of go, well, you don't know what that is. I, do you know what? I'm going to be telling I still didn't understand the difference. I remember about three years ago, I was I didn't understand the difference between gross and net. I still didn't <laughs> understand the difference yeah. between those two. And I kept going, they went, what's your gross? And I, in my head, I was going, does that mean net? <laughs> net? I'll just give you gross and net. But, it, but it's true. Again, it goes back to that point that you said at the beginning, Well, uh, you know, where you kind of have to fake it till you make yeah. it. It, you kind of have to work your way through. I also kind of want to ask, because uh, you were doing this by yourself. Uh, you were trying to raise money, and I assume you were raising money through your contacts, not yeah. so much through family, but through other people. Yeah. As a female, yeah. um, we've spoken to people on the podcast who have dug, gone through a similar thing, and they actually struggled because, firstly, they went into um, different rooms with different yeah. uh, angels, different investors, and because you were a female, they didn't invest yeah uh or you the fact you didn't have a co-founder yeah they didn't want to invest was that did you have the same experience yeah i think so um i think it's hard because i you know i wish that i could have had the same experience as a man and then really like a b test the two but i've only had the experience as a woman so i think when i listen to what fundraising is like for guys or when i see you know what other male entrepreneurs are are able to raise with very um, very similar businesses. I like that's quite stark. Um, but I, I don't necessarily know what it comes down to. I don't know if it is because I'm female. Like I, I don't know if that is actually a trigger, or or if it's because women maybe sell differently to men. You know, maybe um, maybe guys are are a lot bolder and um, women are a lot. I think it's a really rational way of thinking about it because actually lots of people say, oh, it's been so tough for me because of this particular right. circumstance. But actually there's so many different variables, right. how good you are at pitching, how great your brand looks, how great the idea is, yeah, exactly. what the commercial opportunity looks like. There's exactly. so many different things that it's impossible, like you say, to A, B test. <laughs> so how do we actually know? But obviously there are barriers for everybody yeah. and I guess that's something that you seem to have overcome quite successfully. And now you're... Yeah. you're 
you're well funded and you're still, I think, working through a fundraise at the moment as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So we're looking at um, fundraising at the moment. Um, our last round, we sort of did half US, half UK capital because I knew that I wanted to launch in the US. Yeah. Um, and now we'll probably take most of our capital from the US. But you know, it, again, because I want to focus on this this idea of sort of raising money. When you when you get those setbacks, because you've probably been into rooms and situations yeah. where someone has said, actually, you know what, it's not for me. Yeah. Does that put you back? Do you go, oh god, perhaps my idea isn't good, yeah. or perhaps my idea isn't going to work? And and that will happen to a lot of people where they're going further and further and further down the line. Yeah. You know, I listened to actually a a podcast about um, the writer of Fleabag. You know, huge success. Killing Eve, which she did the same one, huge success. It was she was knocked back the entire yeah. time, knocked back, knocked back by every single person. She always thought it had gone away, but she kept that fire yeah. within her. Did you always have that fire within you that you wanted to push forward? You knew that even though you had these knockbacks in terms of the financial yeah. gain, it was going to work. Um, yeah, I did. But then I think, you know, some investors they it depends on what their reason is, and I I really always try and ask for feedback. And I know that that's quite hard for investors to give. So they'll be like, you know, we just don't think you can create a brand in this space or like whatever it is. And I'm like, but why? Yeah. Why don't you think I can create a brand in this space? And then you get an understanding of like, well, how meaningful is that comment? Or are they like fobbing you off? Because if they say, no, I don't think you can create a brand in this space because, you know, of the distribution channels. And, you know, if they go into like a really well thought out answer, then that's valuable. But if that's where it ends, you just don't think I can create a brand in the space, then, well, maybe you need to think about that. Do you, do you, do you, do you question that? Do you have you questioned before? So have you said why? Yeah, you've done I've that. Said why? And then you know, then I've had the answer. Well, I don't know if you can create a product. I don't think you can create a brand with a product that you can't see. And I've said, well, I mean, that's the whole skincare industry, right? Like, yeah. isn't that beauty industry as well? Like, you don't know what brand is on Lots my skin. Lots of cosmetics, skin. yeah. Loads of cosmetics. Like, um, very, and do you, are you now then, I mean, you seem to be asking questions of the investors as well. Is yeah. that something you're looking for a particular type of investor, not just the money? Yeah. And that's something I didn't do in the early days. I think, like, that's really important. Entrepreneurs don't ask, I think, enough questions. God, Nothing. Absolutely, not. you're too scared. I think you're so to. grateful. Right. You're, you're so, so grateful petrified. for that cash, and you need right. that cash so quickly. Yeah. So, what what are you looking for now? What's the perfect investor look like for you? Um, I think an investor that is, um, like, easy to have a conversation with. So, an like a low ego, helpful investor that <laughs> mm. um, you know will sit around the table and like help you work through ideas. Um, instead of shooting from the hip. Rather than someone who wants to sit there and take control and go, no, we should do it this way. Right. You know, and I hate using this word, but having a bully around the table is one of the worst. Killer. It's killer for your brand. Yeah. You need an investor who believes. And, and you know, when you're looking for an investor, yes, they're putting their money in. Yes, they like their brand. But actually, in fact, they're investing in you. And that's what you need to have. Someone who is yeah. investing as you in a person, whatever road you're going down, they need to support that. Right. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And actually, I want to get to that point of your launch of Waldo. Yeah. Uh, so what year is this? We're in 2017 now? Yeah, 1st of August. 1st of August, 2017. Okay, you're there, you're ready to go, you've done all your research, you've got the branding, you've got the supplier sorted, Uh, it's a subscription model, no one knows who you are, you didn't have the advantage of what I had where I was on a television show and marketing was like that, you didn't... there was nothing out there about it. How did you did you press enter on a computer and go, right, here we go? How did you build up to that launch? Um, so we'd done a little bit of PR that coincided with the launch, which was helpful. Um, Expensive? Yeah. Well, it was like through, it was through an agency. I'd probably do it a, a little di- differently now. Um, but it was actually. We sort of set the website live and then it was like, okay, well, this is launch day. Um, we put out some ads at the same time. But where are you, sorry to focus on that marketing, where are yeah. you, because you've studied this, yeah. okay, there's nothing really like it, you're yeah. launching a new product, it's subscription based, where do you, where do you put the PR? Right. Where, where do you, how do you know that, where do you put it, where do you go? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I used an agency for that, um, and we tried to use, like, because all of our sales were online, um, we tried to use, like, only on, uh, online publications, um, so I think our first article was with Business Insider, which gets like a lot of reach. Um, and then we were working with a small marketing agency that helped us put like our first set of ads live. But it was a little bit like, okay, well, we don't know how this is going to go. So there's kind of that moment where you're like sitting there, you're like, well, I've done everything I can. Like, let's see. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. How, but how exciting is that moment as yeah, well? And, how, and how did it go? So you guys... I, I mean, when that to... first customer order comes through, it's wild. Yeah, amazing. It's like, it's like yes, who is this person? Where do they live? <laughs> I'm going to bring it to your house. <laughs> right, exactly. Because you launched and you got, uh, if I'm right, you got 10,000 subscribers. Yeah. Which yeah, is, that's was, pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. So, and then we ran out of stock. Um, so it is like that. It's like, okay, wait. And then, and then things break. Right. So then you're like just trying to fix things. I remember our checkout broke on like day four. Um, oh, God. Like, so what do you do? You, you're basically yeah, you're just like, jumping through hurdles every single time. Exactly. Like phoning the developer at like 1am. You're just like, it's broken. Fix <laughs> it. Um, but does that ever stop? No. <laughs> there we go. It never does. Right. Yeah. And and everyone thinks that you look at all these juggernauts, you look at all these different things, you look at all, you know all of our businesses, and they think, well, that's running smoothie. It's not <laughs> right. every day. Every day is another problem. Yeah. So you and you you're launching, you're ready to go. You know, you said that you ran out of stock. Yeah. You know, you're a subscription based business. That's what they're paying yeah. for, and you run out of stock. Your most important thing. Yeah. Was it because the growth was too quick? Yeah. So the growth was too quick. Um, and that can kill a business. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but luckily, we'd been planning for the launch of Waldo Vitamin, which is our second product. So the saline solution is infused with vitamin B and E. It's a more premium like product. 
And luckily, the launch of that or the arrival of that stock coincided with the out of stock of original. So we just upgraded everybody to Waldo Vitamin as like part of the launch of Vitamin. Okay. Which was like our saving. Yeah, grace. amazing. And but, I don't know if you can say, but how many subscribers are you up to now? Um, so in total, we're at like 80,000. Wow. That's so exciting. Incredible. That's amazing. But also, how do you, okay, because okay, everyone starts a business, right? And especially a subscription-based model. Yeah. The more subscribers, the more revenue, the, the bigger your company grows. Yeah. But as I said before, growth can kill a company, yeah. right? And everyone, no one realizes that. When they start a business, they go, oh, my God, we want to sell as many as we can. Yeah. Here we go, sell, sell, sell. Yeah. But in fact, it will destroy you. Right. How, did you realize that before or did you suddenly realize that as you were going? How did you, yeah. you know, overcoming that point of going, how do you, do you have to make a decision sometimes to stop growing so quickly so yeah. you can handle the business? Yeah, so I think there's... There's sort of like the the growth road and then there's like the process building road. And I think you can't like just run down the one without like having people on. So I, we try and do both in parallel. So as we were growing, we were also building our tech, also making sure that we're working with the right um, fulfillment center that could, you know, deal with our, our numbers um, and trying to automate that as much as possible. So like two months in, we changed warehouses because it wasn't automated. Um, so yeah, there's like a lot of process building in parallel. But also, again, that goes to the point about not fearing, How, you know, changing. Yeah. When something isn't right, change it. Yeah. And people Absolutely. don't want to change. They go, oh no, we've got to stick with this because even though it's not working quite as well, we can't possibly change. Yeah. Are you willing to change everything yeah. to make it work? Yeah. You are. So you have no fear. If it's something, like I listened, you know, uh, uh, about the guy who set up uh, the Apple shops. Yeah. And he bought Steve Jobs in the day before opening. He said, I don't think it's right. And they, he, the day before, stopped it. He yeah. says, you should never go into something unless you are fully committed and you know it. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Um, like, obviously, it depends on, on the scenario. But for the most part, I do. Like, and then you, and then you just have to, like... We really now like follow what the numbers say, which sounds so um, cliche, but like we really do follow the customer data at a very granular level. So even when things, you know, even if it goes against like somebody's opinion on how it should be, like if that's what the customer data says, and if then we test it and we change it. Um, and how do you stay ahead of the game? Because you've got. The big companies yeah. chasing your tail, yeah, realizing that such you're bullies. Yeah, of course they are. They're such bullies. And they're chasing your tail and they're seeing that your model is working. Uh, how do you not worry about them and how do you stay ahead of them? Um, so we stay ahead of them by iterating as quickly as possible and making the product better. So like now, pretty much all of Waldo is on our own platform, so we can change customer like tweaks sort of very quickly, which has been great. Um, and then like with the competitors, I think like try not to, I try not to focus too much on them. Like we obviously keep up to date with what they're doing, but um, yeah, I think if I spent a lot of time thinking about that, I would just be like so riddled with, I just like stand still with fear. <laughs> do, you, do you sometimes look at yourself and uh, 
sometimes you sort of think, how have I done this? How, how do you, do you wake up and go, God, this is, uh, this is a bit scary. This is a bit <laughs> odd. Yeah, you do, right? Do you wake up every day and go, shit, it's another day that I got to get things right? Sometimes. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like very rare. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. Like, um, especially when it comes to the people, you know, like, I think we're like a team of 17 now and then it's like shit there's all these people you know yeah. that, um so there is that yeah i know for me personally the, the building the team and kind of now we're, we're about 20 people at candy kittens and that for me is the hardest part and probably has been because jamie and i set out to to launch this business because we had an idea and we thought mm. it was cool and we were passionate about creating this brand not because we wanted to manage 20 right. people and yeah, people forget about that. That's part. tough, really, really <laughs> tough. And all of a sudden now you've got all this responsibility and all these people and livelihoods to kind of right. to think about. What's been the, the number one kind of big challenge that you face, the hardest thing for you since starting the business? Um, I think that that people component is hard. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think if you hire, again, cliche, like if you hire the right people, things yeah. will be fine. But like genuinely I've just tried to hire people hard. right I've tried to hire people that are like good people like good kind people that want to build this with me that you know don't feel entitled that don't yeah people with grit people that'll get their hands dirty do you know what's so great to hear from you Ashley is that uh, you're open and honest about how tough everything is and how hard it is and how it's not easy. And it frustrates me when you uh, speak to individuals who aren't uh, self-aware enough to kind of go, they just go, yeah, it's great. We're doing this, right. we're doing that. And that frustrates me because it is hard. And it doesn't matter how big or how small you are, the problems are just as big or just as small. Right. And it's very refreshing to see, even when you talk about hiring people, you go, God, yeah, it's hard. How do you pick the right person? How yeah. do you know what they're like? You're sitting in a room with someone for half an hour to an hour. Right. You know, how do you know that? And and it's very refreshing to see. For you also, uh, what advice would you give to someone who um, is setting up a subscription model? Mm. Um. There's so, I think if you run a subscription business, you have to be very data oriented. Like, um, there's so many levers to pull around, um, like, yeah, customer behavior, cancellations, how do you reduce churn? Like, all there's, and you just have to understand that. Like, what do you mean by churn? So, um, how many people are signing up and then where do they drop off? What causes them to drop off? Um, you know, is it is it a certain email you're sending? Is it a, a like? There's so many nooks and crannies. There's so many nooks and crannies when it comes to subscription, and you're trying to build a long term relationship with the customer. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think subscription businesses are more complicated than like one off sale businesses. And will it always be pure subscription? I'm not sure. Like I think we might test one off. We tested it like early on when we launched and it didn't really work. But there's lots of interesting um, examples of Harry's yeah, and exactly. Gray's and others that have gone into retail. Is yeah. that something that maybe on the horizon for you Yeah, guys? I think so. Um, like we'll definitely look at it. I mean, 70% of contact lenses are still bought offline. So okay. you have to go, I guess, like where your customers mm -hmm. are. But, but it's also exciting to see that the, 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 the growth there, the potential growth there is. Right. And... That's what's exciting, that you've probably only 
I mean, what percent of the market have you... Like, point, point, point. <laughs> point, 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 right? Which is so exciting. Another question, last question from me. Uh, what would you have changed if you could go back and change anything or nothing? I might have, um, I might have raised a bit more early on. Same here. <laughs> yeah, it's always a thing. I, again, money. I said everything like money is oxygen. Yeah, and you think you need two pounds, you need ten pounds, and <laughs> right. it's because everything goes so much quicker, and you make the mistakes, and you have to change right. factories or suppliers, like you have yeah. to do, and that everything costs money. Yeah, because everyone is an individual, and everyone needs to yeah. be paid. I totally agree. So with you. giving ourselves a little more headroom would have been nice. Absolutely. And Ashley, thank you so, so much. It's been super, super interesting hearing the story and listening to everything. We finish every single episode by asking guests the same question. Mm -hmm. Um, And the question we wanted to ask you is, if you were to start a completely new business tomorrow, um, forget Waldo ever happened, start something completely new, what would it be? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, it, It would probably be not too far away from, like, what Waldo, I mean, the space that we're in, but, like, um like consumer healthcare, but more for the consumer. So like a modern Johnson & Johnson, that's much more um, customer-friendly, environmentally-friendly, like plugged into the world. Um, Okay. Yeah, probably that. Okay, something more relevant and exciting. Okay, awesome. Or candles. Candles, (laughs) just candles. (laughs) Hey, Ashley Lyon, thank you so much. well done. Thanks. I mean, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, we couldn't be more. And once again, we apologize that we messed it up <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> no, thanks. It was really fun. Thank, thank you, you so very much. much. <laughs> uh, the variation of people we get on Move uh, is astounding. You know, we get people who leave university at 19 years old and go and start a business. Or we, and we have people who, who do the complete opposite, like Ashley. Ashley worked in loads of different schools, getting loads of different degrees because she thought that the knowledge would help her through, and it totally did. Her thesis was on subscription-based models, and that's what she then went into. This girl is super smart and definitely used education to get herself where she is today. I think that there's so much we can learn from Ashley. She's going out there and challenging a pretty scary industry. I think anything that is that close to the, the medical world comes with restrictions, rules, regulations, things that perhaps could to put most people off. But Ashley has smashed down those barriers and clearly succeeding along the way. Totally. Ashley, thank you so much for being on Move today. Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, it really does mean a huge amount. And we also hope today's podcast has inspired you to move towards your dream or passion. Now, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a comment. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email us at move at moveclub.co.uk or follow us on Instagram at moveclub. Until next time, this is Move. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.